Welcome into the Rebound Rundown. Today is Wednesday, November 30th, 2022. Happy last day of November, everybody. I'm your host, Paul Fritchner, and this is produced by Chatterbox Sports. This is your Daily Digest college basketball show where you can get your info on Cincinnati area college hoops every Monday through Friday in 10 to 15 minute episodes. Now, Today's a little longer of an episode because I have a lot packed in here to get to, including an interview about Kentucky with Barstool Riggs coming up here in just a minute. Kentucky beat Bellarmine 60-41, to but that doesn't really tell the whole story because the game was tied at 21 at the half last night, and Bellarmine was up 32-28 to at one point in the second half before Kentucky went on a 23-5 to run to take control of the game. Staying in the Bluegrass State, Louisville played basketball last night, and stop me if you've heard this before, but it didn't go very well for the Cardinals. They fell to 0-7 on the season as number 22 Maryland came into the Yum Center and won by 25, 79-54. I tweeted a video someone got of a fan at the Yum Center reading the newspaper during the game. That is about where we're at in the state of the Louisville basketball program. The Miami Redhawks won their second game in a row to move to 3-4 and four on the season with a 95-78 win over Jackson State. Morgan Stafford had 26 to lead all scorers, and Miami finished with six double-figure scorers. Redhawks are back in action on Saturday against Indiana State. Sean Miller held his pregame press conference for tonight's game against Southeastern Louisiana, and he did not hold back talking about Xavier's defensive effort this season. Take a listen. I thought that in the Duke game and in the Gonzaga game, you know, we were exposed for who we are, and that is just defensively we're soft. Uh, We have long ways to go, and we don't have nearly the pride as a team, as a program, that we need on that side of the ball. We're going to keep working. It's my job, it's our coaching staff's job to fix the things that we can fix and at the same time, uh, you know, we can do drills until uh, you're blue in the face. When the game starts, you can't challenge a shot run by the man that you challenge the shot like you're playing in a rec pickup game, and then you don't get the ball. And the consequences for me when you do that, you know, moving forward, I think to me have to be more severe. And that is we just have to go to our bench. We have to sub out. But – The defensive disposition of our group isn't anywhere near it needs to be. We're not nearly as good defensively as we need to be. Uh, We're working hard on it. We have to fix the things we can fix. But uh, we're we're not on the same page right there. Uh, So that's what I learned when we went to Portland. I knew it before the trip happened. I watched it against Indiana. And really, the entire fall has been a building process. But the way our schedule has unfolded, uh, we don't get any, like, scrimmages or tests right now. Uh, we're, we're real, real games. So we're learning lessons as we move, move forward. But, you know, here today, uh, I'm incredibly disappointed with our, with our ability to improve, sustain, and be a better defensive team. That's, that's the state of the union here at Xavier. Now let's kick it to Barstool Riggs, who covers college basketball for Barstool and is a Kentucky guy himself, to hear about how the Wildcats have done this season and what their outlook is going forward. Joined now by Barstool Riggs. Riggs, let's talk some Kentucky. You're a Wildcat guy, and the Wildcats tonight, they get a little scare early, but they lock down defensively as the game went on, playing Bellarmine. 
Kentucky wins 60 to 41, going a nice run in the second half to really put put Bellarmine away and avoid uh, a night's Kentucky State sweep. Um, what have you seen? Let's let's talk about this game uh, against Bellarmine and then the season as a whole. So, what did you see tonight that gave you some positivity about Kentucky? Nothing. Like, <laughs> nothing was positive except for Antonio Reeves and C.J. Frederick being good shooters, uh, but. No, nothing was positive from this game. I mean, people will say defense, but it's like you're playing Bellerman. And listen, I love Bellerman. I love the Davenport family. Like I, I am friendly with them, so there's a soft spot. But it, their offense is beautiful. It is different because it is old school, no dribbles, motion offense that looks to shoot threes. But again, I say this with all due respect. It's if I I don't know if I'm allowed to swear, so I'm not. It's Bellerman. Yeah. Like it's Bellerman playing Kentucky and Rump on a short turnaround after playing UCLA, which I don't buy a whole lot into short turnarounds. There is a little bit of a factor to it from a negative standpoint for like a, a Bellerman, but that's what Kentucky should do. Like Kentucky, this Kentucky team should be elite defensively. They are kind of what you want for the most part in terms of building a defensive college basketball team. Take away Wheeler, and you have all versatile, you know, length guys that can alter shots at the rim. You, I don't think Oscar is an elite shot blocker by any means, but you do have an elite shot blocker potential with like Damian Collins, um, and then serviceable shot blockers in Ware and um Oscar and and Ugo's elite but you know he's not he's not in the rotation so we can I'll say it but he's not in the rotation so we can leave him out so what like again like it's kind of what they should have done defensively against Bellerman like I don't walk away from that being like oh that's a great takeaway yeah. like it was okay congrats you did your job that's kind of how I looked at it yeah so overall when you look at the season and you, you kind of see this this Kentucky team that had mm-hmm. so many preseason expectations, but you get blown out by Gonzaga. You lose to Michigan State. Those are your only high major teams that you yeah. played. Now you got Michigan coming up. So what what what's you see it on Twitter, Reeves, but what's what's the pulse? What's the real pulse of this Kentucky team right now? So it's the same frustrations that myself and most Kentucky fans who don't just want to yell, you know, I'm not talking the stereotypical Kentucky fan of you know, go recruit people from Kentucky and and play like it's 1948 still. But the the general frustration is the lack of offensive creativity, the lack of and really roster mismanagement. That's kind of what everyone's screaming about. And I said this in the preseason. I was on with um, uh, TJ Walker and Nick Roush on their show, Kentucky Roll Call, and I said actually. You know, I get why Kentucky had preseason expectations, but if you look from a talent perspective, I thought this was the third worst talent roster that Calipari has had. Now, again, a lot of that is <laughs> Calipari's had some loaded rosters, but really on paper, it's there's not like there's one high NBA talent in in Case and Wallace. You have up transfers in Toppin and Antonio Reeves. Shibway, who's, yes, reigning national player of the year. I don't know if he's necessarily like a high-end talent guy. Like, There's a difference between being a really good player 
and high talent. And you need high talent. Like, it's just look through teams that have won the national championship. It is high talent NBA players. And I'm not talking two-way guys that get signed at the last minute. I'm talking high-end talent, right? Like, everyone thought that Nova team in 16 didn't have it. Well, they had eight guys in the NBA or something like that. Virginia. People will sit there and go, well, Virginia. It's like DeAndre Hunter was the fourth pick. And Ty Jerome was a first-round pick. And Kyle Guy has seen time in the NBA. He's now playing overseas. So it's like there is and, – and Diakite is playing in the pros. Like they, there's – you need high-talent depth. And I didn't think this Kentucky team had a ton of it. Like I – again, I think Wallace obviously I think would be a lottery pick. Livingston has potential to be in the NBA. Sheway will probably be like a two-way guy. Um, I don't see it with Toppin. And I know a lot of people liked him. A lot of people were high on him. And I don't see it. You know, Reeves, Frederick, I don't think they're NBA players. Wheeler, not an NBA player. So it's like, where, not an NBA player. So it's like, where do you go with this with this roster? And, and really, that's the frustration is Cal's just not utilizing the versatility. Like, he's stubborn to a degree. And it's great in some aspects. Like, there's a reason he's a Hall of Fame coach, and it's because he is so damn stubborn. But he's stubborn and loyal where it's like everyone in the world realizes the offense is better with Wallace running point instead of Wheeler. Yeah. Yet Wheeler's playing all these minutes and, and he still doesn't understand he's not the offensive focal point sometimes. And then you look and it's like, okay, the, 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 the ideal lineup, the ideal five should be Wallace surrounded by Frederick Reeves, Oscar, and then either Toppin or Livingston. And really, there's no arguments against that. You use Wheeler as your backup guard. You use Collins as your backup five. And then you use the other between Livingston and, and Toppin as your backup four. And then if you have to, you have Ware's depth at, at the center position. But instead, it's like, you know, what are you doing running a lineup where you have Wheeler one of the shooters, Livingston, Collins, and Ware out there. Like, you're not just going to – you're not scoring. Yeah. And that's the frustration that most Kentucky fans have is just kind of this old-school offense that doesn't work anymore. Like, you again, look around the country in recent history, and you look at even just – if you want, just want to look at this year, and, and I said earlier on a show that we're kind of at the first checkpoint of the college basketball season, right? We're about halfway done non-conference play, the – the preseason tournaments are kind of done with. Uh, so you you get a feel of where teams kind of are. Uh, look at the top 10 and look at what they do on offense, right? Arizona, elite offense. Purdue, pretty good offense. Um, Houston, really good offense. Uh, Virginia, I know people don't want to give them credit. They're fourth in the country in three-point percentage. Really good offense. Yeah. Slow, really good offense. There's a difference. Creighton really good off like you just go down it's like yes you do need a really good defense but you need a really good offense and Kentucky just doesn't have that not with the the roster mismanagement and then and and again it's not all on Cal like players have to make plays right like there's still so many JV mistakes being made so what's your thought on uh, Jacob Toppin you talked about him a little bit but there's I can sense some frustration there yeah so it's more (laughs) I'm not frustrated with him I'm frustrated with everyone who just keeps saying Jacob Toppin breakout player for the second year in a row. <laughs> and it's like, he he doesn't, I don't think he knows who he is. 
right? Like everyone, he's he's Obi Toppin's little brother. So everyone wants to call him Obi, right? Like, oh, this is when Obi broke out. This is when Obi won national player of the year. Obi Toppin was a top 10 pick. And like, people, and, and I'm a Knicks fan. Knicks fans are clamoring for more Obi Toppin in the pros. People aren't clamoring for Jacob Toppin to be a top 10 pick for a reason. And what he is, he, he and what he should be, is a really, really good defender, versatile defender, and a guy who should be a mismatch at the college four spot that can just take advantage of guys at the rim, right? Like he is a, he's a freak athlete and it's, it should be one quick move, get to the rim, finish. And instead it's like three dribbles going nowhere, turn his back, try to shoot a fadeaway or like a 15 footer. And then what frustrates me is like the second half of the Gonzaga game, he hits a bunch of these long twos that didn't really mean much in the, scheme of the game and everyone's like oh Jacob Toppin looked really good the second half it's like no he didn't there was a reason they were giving him that and it's just the lack again the lack of shooting every shot he takes just sounds like the biggest brick and then today it took him like again you're playing Bellarmine and it took him really about 25 30 minutes to just realize or understand wait a minute, I can take one dribble, get to the rim and finish because I can out jump everybody here. That's the frustration is, is he should be an elite small ball four or not small ball four. He should be an elite college ball four. Yeah. And instead he's stuck in this middle three, four spot. He doesn't know what his game is. He, he somehow still hasn't improved his shot yet. All I ever hear is how he's improved his shot. He's shooting 58% from the line. And it's just like, that's the frustration is okay. And and honestly, I don't think Toppin's a starter, but you don't have another option unless Livingston figures out the game quicker. Like to me, Toppin would be the ideal guy coming off the bench, right? He's kind of that energizer bunny off the bench that you see so many teams have, there, but there's no other, there's no option. Yeah. So it's like, that's part of the frustration. Part of the the trouble with Kentucky so far which is crazy to say again, they're ranked like 19th in the country. And it sounds like, you know, the world's ending, but it's, it's the same problems that Kentucky has had for kind of years now. Like they really haven't had the perfect four since, I don't know, Terrence Jones. Okay. Like if you just, if you just think about it, like Wiltshire ended up, would have been fine transferred out. And then you had the platoon lineup, which whole different, animal to that Alex Poitras kind of did the same thing um he figured out a little bit but it's like you know that's what cost them when they had the the Fox Monk and, and Bam team it was Derek Willis who provided the shooting but he was negative defensively you know and then they had um like EJ Montgomery again kind of that in between four or five so they really and that's one of the biggest misses for Cal is he hasn't gone out and gotten that true college ball four that you need. So last question for you, Riggs, where does this Kentucky team and Cal Perry go from here this year? So there, there are two saving graces, right? You have Michigan on Sunday and then you have UCLA in a couple weeks. If you win those two games and you beat Louisville, which if you lose a Louisville, just shut it down. For <laughs> I was going to say, but if you win those three games, right? Louisville or yeah, Louisville, Michigan, UCLA, you end up going three and two against like the power before you get into, they have the the Kansas game later on too, but let's say you win those going into conference play. You get the three 
power conference, non-conference wins, that offsets at least then the loss to Gonzaga, which was on the road. Even though I know people like to say it wasn't on the road, it was in Spokane, Gonzaga's in Spokane. Um, and Michigan State, which was a neutral court, right? You get two neutral court wins and and the Louisville win, and then you get the you know, the two the one neutral court, the one road loss. So that's step one. You have to win those two games. And for seeding purposes, right? You talk about wanting to be a top three, top four seed. Well, you gotta win those games. Like I get in fights with that all the time with people. November games matter, December games matter for seeding. People like they think it doesn't, but if you don't beat anybody good, you're not gonna get a good seed later in the year. So you have to win those and then conference play. Like the SEC is good this year. Again, it's gonna be the development of Chris Livingston, if Jacob Toppin can understand his role and, and really letting Case and Wallace run this team. I mean, that's when they're at their best. That's when that's when it when it goes. So th- there's a potential to be a really high ceiling. Because they they do have pieces, right? They they have they still have talent, even though I said they're you know one of the three least talented teams that Calipari's had, but they have talent. Or the wheels could fall off, and you could look at a six seven seed with. with I don't think people would bat an eye at that the way they look at least so far this year. So I said last question, but I can't let you go without asking this: Where do you personally stand with all of this with Calipari? Because Kentucky fans are out, but where do you stand? Yeah, I think it's dumb to scream fire Calipari, especially with the recruiting class coming in next year. Exactly. And listen, like the other thing I argue with with people all the time is the NCAA tournament. It is the best way to determine a champion. It's the worst way to determine best teams. Kentucky was one of the six best teams in the country last year. And then they played the worst game of the year against St. Peter's who called them. St. Peter's ended up making the elite eight. So it wasn't just a one game fluke. It was a three game fluke for St. St. Peter's. I think he needs to change though, right? Like I don't think it's fire Calipari, but he needs to realize it's 2022. Like you, you can't be stubborn and think you can still win. Like it's 2012 anymore. Now maybe next year's class offsets that because on paper, they should be ridiculously talented. Um, and we'll see who else comes back, but we know what the, the incoming class looks like. It's You need to just adapt and modernize your offense. You can't have this many lack of shooters. You can't have a point guard that can't shoot like severe wheeler. You can't have no, you know, you can't have one shooting threat and then try to play through a big, like it, teams are just going to crowd on that. And then you see offenses like this, you see offense like St. Peter's, you see offense like the Gonzaga game. So that's where I'm with Calipari. It's like it's I feel a point of frustration, but I think it's also dumb to fire him. Cause I I ask you this, and I got in this conversation with somebody and, and they agreed with me too. It's like, who do you go out and hire? Who's the who's the coach? Yeah. Well, that's because, the that, that's the classic question. When you want to fire a coach, yeah. especially at a program like Kentucky with all the expectations, and you have Calipari there who's bringing in these recruiting classes, who are you gonna go out there and get? Well, think about it too, like all the it coaches. We're already gone, right? Like Chris Beard already got hired by Texas. Yep. Um, you know, Duke UNC filled their own their own way. Um, Stevens is not going to leave the Celtics front office like people think. Um, Sean Miller is back at Xavier. I thought Sean Miller would be a good job there. But he's back at Xavier. I don't think he's going to leave Xavier anytime soon. So it's like, who do you go hire? Mark Few's not leaving Gonzaga. Yeah. Scott Drew's not leaving Baylor. So... Who would be the best coach? Jay Wright's not coming back, so people can get that out of their minds. Yeah. So, again, I ask people, who would you hire? 
Yeah. I, like there's no name. There's just no name. And that's not saying they couldn't go get somebody, but there's no name. Yeah. Like, do you sit there and try to get Matt Painter? I don't know if he leaves Purdue. And, it, and, it, and yeah. is that really the best? Is that really better than Calipari? Matt Painter's never been to a Final Four. I love what Matt Painter can do, but he's never been to a Final Four. He lost to St. Peter's. So it's like, all and, you know, I see stuff like, is Matt Painter the best coach in the country right now? It's like, he might be, but also, is he good enough to win at Kentucky? Because that's different than winning at Purdue. Yeah. You give Matt McMahon a few years at LSU, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, he's, yeah, he's a Murray guy. I mean, but like, even, you know, I remember people were always like, oh, Chris Holtman's going to be ready to be the next Kentucky coach because he's from there and everything. He's good, but it, what has he done at Ohio State to make you feel great if the, if Kentucky went out and fired John Calipari and hired Chris Holtman? Sure. So that's the thing. And listen, I was at Kentucky my last two years were the two years of Gillespie. So, and the first two years or the last two years of Tubby. So I tell people all the time where they're like, it's Kentucky basketball. You just, it runs itself. No, it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> it sure doesn't. Yep. All right, Riggs, I appreciate it. Let's talk again soon sometime. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, absolutely no problem. Appreciate it. Thanks again to Riggs for that interview. Now let's take a look at tonight. Dayton hosts Western Michigan, who was picked eighth in the MAC preseason poll. I'll be looking to see how Dayton responds in this one after their 0-3 showing at the Battle for Atlantis last week, especially with the injuries they've suffered to Kobe Elvis and Malachi Smith. That game is at 7 on ESPN Plus and Spectrum if you get that too. Cincinnati hosts the New Jersey Institute of Technology, or NJIT, out of the America East. NJIT is 1-5 and five on the season, with their only win coming over 304th-ranked Sacred Heart. The UC game is also at 7 and also on ESPN+. I briefly mentioned it earlier, but Xavier is playing at home tonight as well with a game against the Lions of Southeastern Louisiana, who are the worst remaining team on Xavier's schedule. They don't do anything particularly well outside of turning you over. That game is set for an 8.30 tip-off on FS1. Some national nuggets to close the show. The Big East finally got a marquee win outside of Creighton and UConn with Marquette blowing out number 6 Baylor 96-70 at Fiserv Forum. The Bears were never in the game. Marquette controlled it tip to finish. Number three, Virginia held on late to edge Michigan and Ann Arbor, 70-68. And number 16, Illinois, they beat Syracuse, 73-44. That'll do it for today's Rebound Rundown. Have a great Wednesday, everybody, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.